You're listening to Engage, the podcast for Delta pilots. On today's episode, contract implementation items with Sean Kellett and Ian Turner of the Scheduling Committee, along with Frank Wedding from the Negotiating Committee. Here's your host, Ryan Argenta. Welcome back to another episode of Engage. I'm here with Sean Kellett, the chairman of the Scheduling Committee, Ian Turner, the incoming vice chairman of the Scheduling Committee, and a man who needs no introduction, but I'll do it anyway, Frank Wedding, newly elected member to the Negotiating Committee, formerly of the Scheduling Committee. Gentlemen, thanks for your time. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Glad to be here, Ryan. Thanks. So there's a lot of implementation items in our new PWA, things that have come into effect as of August 1st, some more things that are coming in on August 31st, and then a slew of implementation items for September. And want to synthesize that. I do want to draw everyone's attention to the scheduling alerts. There's a scheduling alert for the August bid period. There's one that came out on August 15th for the September implementation items. And highly recommend everybody look at that. I'll link it to the description of this podcast so you can pause now. Go back out and look at the scheduling alerts as you're listening to this podcast. Some of these topics are pretty complex, right, Sean? Yeah, they are. They are very complex. Taken individually or mobilized, they're they're pretty easy concept. But when you start adding them collectively, like for example, all the different types of pay to one rotation, some are paying credit, some are paying no credit. It gets very complex quickly. One of the biggest changes that have, has gone into effect is reroute. And that's under 23L4. Let's dive into reroute. What are the new provisions? What do we need to be watching for? Yeah, lots of new changes for reroute structure. And I'm going to start with what hasn't changed. First of all, the new provision applies to any rotation that reports on or after August 1st. So if your rotation started in the previous bid period, but you flew a flight segment on August 1st, for example, reroute pay does not apply. The old rules apply. So the start of your rotation is when the rules apply. So what has not been changed is 23L2A, 23L2B, 23L8, 23L9. Those are the provisions that have not changed from the old contract. So what we're going to talk about now is 23L4. The biggest thing that has changed is now every single reroute will pay. Some will pay 50%, some will pay 100% on top of the single paying credit you're already receiving, or sometimes it's double pay no credit. Every single reroute will now pay some, even if it's only a debt. Okay. And... Let's synthesize that. So if you're on a rotation after August 1st, and let's say you're scheduled to go from Atlanta to Denver to Seattle, and after the first airborne segment, you're en route to Denver, you get the reroute message and it says, now you're going to fly Denver to Minneapolis instead of Seattle. Then you have a break in duty. How is that going to pay? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So no difference to your credit that would be calculated under 12L2 at the end of your rotation, right? So the reroute pay. How that will work is the contract discusses what you get paid prior to a break in duty and what you get paid after. So, and I talk about duty periods. So it's the same thing. They're synonymous. But if you're, if you are rerouted today in your current duty period, you're paid an additional 50% pay no credit for anything within the current duty period prior to your break in duty. And we say break in so duty, we're just talking about your layover. Correct. You get a reroute to go to Minneapolis, then layover. It's before break in duty. You land in Denver, you get rerouted to Minneapolis. So that's one half pay, no credit for that rerouted segment prior to the first break in duty, prior to that layover. So if it's a 
for easy math, a two hour flight from Denver to Minneapolis. One half of that is one hour pay, no credit in addition to any other form of pay on top of your rotation guarantee. That's correct. Yep. That's exactly right. So the hard part, and you kind of alluded to it is what is the 50% pay of, and it's either the greater of your scheduled block or the block flow for that particular flight segments or each individual flight segment. And then, and only then all credit is still applied on the last day of the rotation. So you will also get any and all credit if you're rerouted throughout the remainder of your entire rotation, which our opinion can only, you can only be rerouted uh, into multiple days. There's one exception, but you can only be rerouted into multiple days under the steps of coverage. And we can talk more about that in a bit, but that's probably the biggest question we get from pilots is 50%, hundred percent of what? And the answer is the greater of block flown or scheduled blocks. So if you underfly your block, you're still going to get paid your scheduled block. If you overfly it, then you're going to get paid what you flew. Okay. And so using that same example, you've now, you're laying over in Minneapolis. They have somehow rejoined you to your original rotation. You've had that layover and now you get another reroute the next day. Now you're going for double pay, the same treatment. Is that correct? Right. So let's say on your, in your original example, day one, you get rerouted to MIDI for a layover, right? And we're getting 50% of that, which we said was one additional hour, pay no credit. The significance of that, by the way, is for, for reserve pilots, that is pay no credit above the reserve. So that's great for reserve pilots. Adding to that, if you also have additional flight segments the next day, you're going to get 100%. So instead of 50% of the scheduled or block flowing, the greater of that, you're now going to get 100% on time. If it's all within the same rebound. Back to what you just asked. Now, if you're rerouted, subsequently rejoin to your rotation and get rerouted again, the company does not get two bites of the apple, meaning it doesn't reset the 50%, 100%. Now, every reroute after that is 100%. Even if it's within the current duty period, every single reroute after that is 100%. Okay, so something to keep an eye on, right? If it's before your first break in duty, your layover, it's 50%. If it's after your first break in duty, every reroute after that pays 100%, so essentially double. Now, some confusion because what we're used to is a reroute that gets you back and released in your base. Domestic, it was four hours beyond your scheduled release time. International, it's 25 hours past your scheduled release time. Now, those are still at play, right? If you are released past those time limits, that triggers additional pay treatment on top of any other reroute, the 50%, the 100%, that triggers an additional pay treatment there, right? Yeah. So with that, Ryan, the L8 or L9 is the one you're referring to. The L8 four hour was the L9 the reserve pilot into next day. Those will now stack with the new L4 pay treatment, where in the past they did not. So any reroute that happens, it's not the greater of the reroutes that pay now, it's all the reroutes pay. So if you get back late, you're going to get that 150%, the 200% plus whatever pay treatment comes from L8 or L9. Okay. And the single pay, no credit for each duty period that extends beyond that time limitation, the four hours domestic, 25 hours international. So back to our this would be a terrible rotation, but you were rerouted on day one. Before the layover, you get your 50% going to Minneapolis. Day two, 
you get rerouted again, you get 100% of that reroute. And now let's say that pushes you that you arrive six hours past your originally scheduled rotation for a domestic flight. So now you get paid that single pay no credit above that. Yes. Assuming that at the time of that reroute, you were scheduled to be greater than four hours past. If you were scheduled to be less than four and delayed into six, that's not going to trigger that L8 reroute pay. Okay. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So the four hour rule you're talking about for domestic operations is only at the time of the reroute, what it's scheduled to do. So if you're scheduled to be greater than four hours, you're due that pay. But let's say that you were scheduled like three and a half hours, but you delay past four hours, you're not due that pay because it went past four hours because of late operations. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. So if you were scheduled to release at, let's say noon on Friday and due to reroute, when they reroute you at the time, the scheduled release is 6 PM, then you are due that single pay, no credit. That's correct. So then your pay is an extra two hours or is it the full six? That's going to depend that Ryan on what the last duty period was worth because L8, remember L8 calculates the last duty period as well as that calculates any pay penalties or any credit that gets applied to it. In the old contract under L4, we didn't stack these violations. They didn't stack. It was whatever the greater of the two were. And now those all stack. So in your example, you would get all of the reroute pay. Plus you would get another pay and credit for the entire duty period, that entire last day's duty period on top of the reroute pay, plus any credit that was generated once they recalculated the value of the rotation. Okay. So again, keep an eye on that. If I can just make one point as well, I like it. I'm the lowest common denominator, so I'd like to make it as simple as possible. The four hours and the 25 hours is simply the trigger. So they should not be doing math off of that, you know, math meaning how much am I going to get paid minus four hours, minus four. That is simply the trigger. And as soon as you have tripped that, you are scheduled you know, beyond that four or 25 hours, then what Ian and Frank just said applied, the math behind that applies. I just don't want people thinking that they have to do some type of subtraction with that four hours and that 25 hours drink. That's simply a trick. Okay. Light switch. It's either on or off. And that's, that's a great way of putting it. So again, complex, I want to draw attention again to both the PWA itself, 23 L eight and nine, but the scheduling alerts have examples as does the PWA. For these reroutes, these compounding or stacking treatments. So keep an eye on that and probably a good time to chime in of 1-800-USA-ALPA. You can ask for scheduling. Probably better yet is to submit a ACE for Unions inquiry or report to the scheduling committee. I know you guys are very busy, fortunately or unfortunately. So there may be a time delay there. However, they will get to your inquiry or your report and any pay that was due that they uncover, you'll get it. If I can make a plug for a timeline as well, Ryan, the company right now, it's taking them 14 business days to process reroute pay. Business days, right? So, and believe it or not, every form of reroute pay is manually audited and applied to a past time card. They have a team of four pay specialists. That's their job is what they do. Believe it or not, this day and age, so even if a pilot sees that their rotation has been closed on their time card, there's no indication their reroute has been, excuse me, their rotation has been scrubbed for reroute pay or not. So I ask that the pilots just be, be patient, give it at least 
two working weeks, you know, 14 working days. Some are happening quicker, some are not. Give it some time. If the pay doesn't show up the first place, they need to call us crew scheduling. And then if crew scheduling can't help them, they're cheap pilots. And then what everything you said is true. For us, the quickest way it's going to, it requires us to do research. So a, an H for unions report, pretty much the best thing they could do for us. And like you said, we have a long wait time right now, unfortunately. The reward for good work is more work and these guys are do great work. So exactly. Okay. Thank, thanks for that. I want to turn to a quick dart based on reroute, but this is from pilot. So under the new provision 23L4, a pilot who reaches their base while on a reroute is given two options, right? Those two options are you return to your original rotation at your base, whether it's deadhead or otherwise, or released with no further obligation. Who decides which option you get? There should be no options. The company should apply it correctly, right? That's what you said is exactly how we negotiated and how we wrote the language. And what you said is exactly right. So a pilot reaches their base, then they are either removed from the remaining portion of the rotation and pay protected and released in their base, or at the time of that reroute, the initial reroute, the company needs to have a plan to then rejoin you to the remaining portion of your original rotation. An original rotation meaning the very first rotation that you were either awarded via PBS, PCS, even a reserve assignment, the very first rotation that you reported for is your original rotation. So you can either be released in your base, rejoin the rating portion in your base, or option three is deadhead you into the most direct route, deadhead only to return you the rating portion of your original rotation. Those are the only three options. Anything other than that, a combination or a hybrid, are illegal reroutes. So, okay, so instead say, hey, Ryan, I know we're supposed to deadhead you to the remaining portion of your rotation, but buddy, we need you to go ahead and operate this flight there. That would be a violation of the contract. Okay. This is exactly what came in on that dart. So the pilot returned to their base. They were scheduled in the original reroute. They were scheduled to deadhead to return to their original rotation. And then they were asked to fly it. And that pilot triggered 23L4 and said, no, I should be released without further obligation. And we would agree 100% and support that pilot all the way. Okay. So things to look out for, again, those three options, you're back in your base on a reroute, just have that little trigger of, Hey, I heard a podcast about this. I need to get this right. And by the way, Ryan, what you just said is not the first time we're seeing this. Sure. Okay. And moving on still in the reroute section, but, and there's a slew of questions and darts here, and, and maybe you can solidify some things. If you are rerouted and you release after your original scheduled release time, you are entitled positive space travel back to the contract says anywhere, anywhere in the system. Yes. Yeah, so, so the key issue with the positive space that triggers it's if you are rerouted to even be just one minute later than your originally scheduled release, you are entitled to positive space at the end of your rotation. The caveat being you have to request that positive space at the time of the reroute. So if that means setting the parking brake to call scheduling or ACARS them or something like that, do that because what we're seeing is pushback of saying that it wasn't requested at the time of the reroute, so it's being denied. So it's very important that you have to do it at the time of the reroute. And I'll just add a little bit of color to that as well. Everything Ian said was spot on. Even if the flight is oversold, the pilot is entitled to that positive space seat, 
even if it's not available to that pilot in DeltaNet, for example. So, so said differently, the contract requires the company to remove a passenger to accommodate that positive space seat for that pilot, but they must request that at the time of the rebound. Okay. I'm going to read directly from the PWA and then we can go from here, but, and this seems to be the issue here. So a rerouted pilot arriving at their base beyond their originally scheduled release time will upon request at the time they were notified of the reroute, be provided positive space online transportation to any company station and be provided a hotel in base upon request. If you're unable to commute due to the reroute period, that's 23 L 15. So there is no delineation. There's no contract language that supports anything other than you will be provided positive space. And that's regardless of if there's availability or not. Correct. The company at the time of notification, Frank or Ian says, thanks, I want a positive space home. Then they will remove passengers to accommodate those pilots. Yeah, I understand. So I, I want to zoom out for this provision because this is impacting pilots everywhere. So, you know, especially in the summertime, commuting is difficult as it is. And everybody gets on at, you know, 11.59 a.m. Eastern time, ready to hit that jump seat book at noon. And then you get rerouted and I arrive even 15 minutes past, you lose your jump seat. It's impossible to non-rev. All the other jump seats are booked. So you're on a reroute and you're scheduled to land beyond your original scheduled release. And as Ian said, even one minute, then you're entitled that positive space and they're going to have to bump a passenger to get you home. Here's the question. You get the reroute notice via ACARS prior to the top of descent. You get the mile long printout of your rotation. How do you now contact scheduling at the time of reroute to say, I want positive space? Do you just ACARS back? Sure. And say, yeah, just I, ACARS dispatcher and scheduling back and say, requesting positive space on next available flight. Done. I would encourage every pilot to take a screenshot if you can or print out the message you send to the dispatcher if you're using your company tablet to message the company, I would take screenshots of that. What we've seen is the company's pushing back saying essentially, well, Ryan, you didn't request it at the exact time of the reroute, so you don't get that. And so what I don't think the company really wants, but the unintended consequences are going to be like Ian said, I encourage every, everybody out there, if they're on the ground, stop, set the parking brake so that you can safely communicate to crew tracking, the dispatcher, crew scheduling that I need a positive space seat home. If you're airborne. Do the best that you can, a car's message, and once you land, pull over, set the park and brake, and safely communicate with crew tracking and your dispatcher and say, I am now requested. I just got rerouted. And, you know, because you might be inside the top of descent, you might be in some type of uh, situation where you can't even look to see that you've been rerouted, right? So once you land and you know you've been rerouted, immediately set the park and brake. That's what we have to do right now. So I encourage every single crew to safely communicate with the company to make sure that they're able to get home under the provision that we negotiate. You heard it here. And yeah, this is kind of getting into the safety aspect, but when you get a reroute, especially airborne or prior to, yeah, they always seem to come in just before the top of descent and it's a major distraction. It's a huge distraction. So, you know, gather yourself, like you said, pull over, set the parking brake. Obviously if you're airborne, you can't do that, but take care of yourself and get it right. And scheduling will back you up for sure. Absolutely. What else do you want to touch on reroute specifically? Did we miss anything? Are there some gotchas? What should pilots be looking for? I'm going to point a couple of things out. 23L14 has great pay examples. 
And we, it has great examples about stacking on the L8, L9 provisions and how they will stack. So uh, L14C example three, I think is a good one. Take a look at that. One of the other things that changed on the new contract is 23L10. 23L10 now aligns a regular pilot and a reserve pilot such that they can only be rerouted to one additional day slash duty period. So that's it. So we've changed the language to align the two and now the same language applies to both regular and reserve pilots. Sean, what can pilots expect to see on their time card? If you're subject to all these reroutes, it's kind of complex. We've talked about some things. Maybe the company is not quite used to handling this. What do we look for on a time card? And where do we turn? It is not intuitive by any stretch of the imagination. We are working with the company. We've provided them examples of how we think that the time card should look. And the company actually agrees with us. So we're trying to add additional columns on a past time card so they can see all the different types of reroute pay. They can see their pay and credit. They can see the additional pay no credit items. So literally they can start from left to right and go across during each rotation for each day and see exactly what rear out pay did I get under 23L4 for 50% under L4 at a hundred percent? What am I getting for 23L8 or L9? And then what's the total of that for each time? That doesn't exist yet. So we're moving in that direction. So until then their interim fixes this, the company is going to put for rear out pay under 23L4, the pilot is going to see a code that's RPY on their time graph. They may also see it on their schedule, but they're definitely going to see RPY on their time card and a date next to it. It's just gonna have a lump sum next to it. So it's very clunky to say the least. So it's not great. It's the company's interim solution for that right now. The problem with that, also clunky, is it defaults to reroute pay on, even if a pilot is not due reroute pay. So for example, let's say you was talking about late operations. Let's say you're not rerouted, but you now you, due to late operations, you release 10 hours late. Well, you are rerouted, so you're not due reroute pay, but DBMS doesn't know that yet, which is why it's manually audited. So it will auto-populate a whole bunch of reroute pay in that reroute block, which will then subsequently be removed, which generates lots of questions to scheduling and to us from the, the pilot group. So super clunky, no, nothing super sexy in the works right now, but we are working with the company to try to make it as intuitive to every single pilot and to reduce the amount of of questions and comments that we get in the company gets. Okay. So bottom line, give it a second. They're manually reviewing it 14 days. Even if the rotation's closed, it doesn't mean you were, you know, denied pay or not due pay. Just give it a second, take screenshots, schedules, rotations, time cards, and eventually it'll catch up with you, but we'll have to stay on it as pilots. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We'll communicate to the pilots via scheduling alert. Okay. Very good. Sean Kellett, Ian Turner of the scheduling committee, Frank Wedding, of course, of the negotiating committee. This has been reroute August 1st implementation. Thanks for that. Coming up next, we're talking about the September contract implementation. Stick with us. This is the Engage podcast. This has been Engage, the podcast from Delta Pilots. Thanks for listening. My name is Ryan Argenta. Stay safe and keep the rubber on the road. You're listening to Engage, the podcast for Delta Pilots. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform and receive notifications when a new episode is available.